sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on Sports Grid on the morning after. I'm Davis Maddock. No Ben Stevens with you guys here today, tomorrow, or on Monday. I will be back with you guys on Friday. That is tomorrow. Not with you guys on Monday. Uh, Got to do a little bit of a, a recap of the U.S. women's team uh, last night against the Netherlands. Guys, they were they were bad. They really they they really were bad. And this was my fear. Coming into the tournament is that um, the U.S. women, for a long time, they were clearly the best team in the world. No one else really could touch them when they were at their best. Uh, you know, they were very good technically. They were very good tactically. But the big advantage that uh, the U.S. women have had for a long time is that soccer for women in the United States has basically been sort of at sort sort of the opposite of the problem for the men, which is that uh, soccer is is the best paying sport for American women, uh, pretty close to basketball. Uh, I mean, the U.S. women's basketball team is very good as well. But the rest of the world has caught up. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, European teams now, I mean, there are there are women making great money playing uh, in the Women's Super League. There are, uh, you know, for example, the team that I support, Aston Villa, they have a women's team that is getting real investment from the organization like the teams are spending a lot of money uh these these european clubs are spending a lot of money which means that all these european countries spain and portugal the netherlands who we played last night uh they're just getting a lot better now to be fair to the u.s women the formation that the netherlands play the uh the three five two it really is set up to stymie the exact style of play that the u.s women do so the u.s women play a four three three and so much of what the U.S. women do comes from the wings. Trinity Rodman on the wings and Sophia Smith out there on the wings. And it's, uh, you know, uh, Lindsey Horan was able to be really effective in that game because she had a ton of space in the midfield. The midfield was pretty wide open for her to dribble around and make her passes. And she is phenomenal. If you've not watched Lindsey Horan play, she is uh, one of the five best players uh women's players in the world for sure so she had space to operate but trinity rodman and sophia smith and alex morgan had nowhere to go because they were basically trying to attack into a block of five for the entire game and um that i was i was very worried about this coming into the game uh i used the u.s woman in my same game parlay on uh on the program last night and they were not able to get there. Uh, look, taking a look at the goal scoring odds, our, our gal Lindsey Horan at plus 290 was able to score. Jill Roard was able to score for the Netherlands as well. Uh, you know, coming both, interestingly, both of those goals coming from a, uh, from a central midfield position, which I think shows you, I mean, that is because Lindsey Horan has to be so influential on offense and Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman are trying to get past both the wing backs and the outside center backs. Really, it was a game that was able to be controlled in the midfield uh, in attack by both teams. But guys, I, I am worried because England, who are at plus 550 to win the Women's World Cup, they are so good. 
They they really are. And Spain are quite good too. And Spain did not win the women's European Championship, but they were missing the women's Ballon d'Or winner, Alexi Putellis. She suffered a knee injury before last summer's European Championship. She is back and playing now. So Spain are very good. And to be honest, the women's World Cup odds listing the U.S. women as favorites. Uh, I, I gotta say it's it's not right. This this mar- this market is not priced appropriately. Welcome to everyone in on Radio Davis Matic here with you guys today on the morning after on Sports Grid. No Ben Stevens with you here. Now the U.S. women should definitely still be favored to win the group. Portugal not a strong women's team. The Netherlands, you know, they got to get some things. They got to get some results in their favor. But the USA should top the group. Should get through. You know, it it, it really will be fine but i i am worried that the u.s women are are not going to win the entire tournament maybe not even going to make the final i think obviously the best final would be the u.s women versus england um you know if the the english women team that won the uh women's european championship is is really strong now a lot of these teams are missing key players uh there's been a real rash of injuries in high level women's soccer over the last year i think um the the english women are missing three players with the torn acl the u.s women are missing a few and also the u.s women are in sort of a transition period uh uh, alex morgan is 31 years old megan uh, rapino is 35 years old like they are changing things around as some of the older golden generation starts to age out and uh, we've got some good games coming up tonight very weird time frames of these games are taking place in australia and new zealand argentina south africa england versus denmark i might try and wake up for that one at uh, at 4 30 a.m and then china versus haiti uh if you guys have not watched the women's world cup it's uh it's it's really good honestly the soccer is is very strong women's soccer tends to be incredibly tactical uh, you know, the players have a very strong awareness of where they need to be. I think it's uh, it's an awesome game. I really wish that there were more primetime games here in the United States. I'm glad we're getting about one per night because uh, it's a product that deserves watching, and uh, I've really been enjoying it. And I hope the U.S. women figure it out. I hope that they get to the final because anything that helps soccer grow in the United States, I am Four, we're going to go ahead and run into break here real quick on the program. When I come back, Craig Mish, my co-host on Fantasy Sports Today, is going to join me. We're going to get back to some baseball, then going to do a little bit more NFL later with Jim Sanis. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Morning After here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by... Honestly, one of my favorite people, my Fantasy Sports Today co-host, Craig Mish. It really, Craig, it just brightens my day knowing that I get to have a chat with you. We're very close to the Major League Baseball trade deadline. I know you're working the phones. You're getting the intel. You're getting the info. Lucas Giolito. I mean, the Angels bought someone? What's happening? The, 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 I, Craig, you know. I mean, we've been doing this show together for four years. I've been saying, yeah. well, the Angels, please, can I see Shohei Otani play one meaningful game in my entire adult life? Are they trying to make it happen? Or is, is Artie Moreno going to pay Shohei Otani a billion dollars? What is going on, Craig? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, when you think about it at the end of the day for the Angels, Davis, it's like if somehow the last two months they can catch lightning in a bottle and make the postseason, Davis, and think about this, like the, the postseason's crazy in base, but to, to say that this no shot or that team has no shot. I mean, you you saw what last what happened last year. The Braves got knocked out right away. The Dodgers got knocked out right away. So look, when the Angels go to bed last night, they're like, all right, now we got Giolito. We got Otani coming back. We got Mike Trout. We got Brandon Drury. You know, we got we got Renfro. We got some pieces, some decent pitching here. Let's let's have a dream, Davis. And here's the dream. You make the wild card, and by some miracle, you win, right? You win the wild card matchup with whoever you're playing against. Is it impossible? I don't think so. And then at that point, Davis, you go to Shohei Otani and say, hey, look what we're building here. We made the postseason. We won. Now, the, I don't think the Angels are going to win two series, but we won the postseason. We won a wild card. And then you can see Otani, you know, I'm comfortable. We're winning. You know, give me my $600 million. Maybe so. Maybe so. I, I Listen, I'm trying to talk it through the Angels' way. Conversely, Davis, if none of this happens and they don't get in, they're going to look back and it'll be one of the biggest mistakes that a team could make, for sure. I mean, here's the thing. If I was running the team, I would do exactly what they've been doing. I would try and win. I would trade for Lucas Giolito. I would make these moves. But it all hinges on the idea that I am comfortable handing Shohei Otani and his agent a blank check in this offseason and saying do what you got to do, right? You're, you are going to be on my team in perpetuity. But if the plan is, okay, let's buy Lucas Giolito, let's uh, let's get a left fielder so that we don't have to play Taylor Ward against right-handed starting pitching or whatever, and uh, let's play Jared Walsh at first base when he comes back instead of adding someone there, and uh, then let Otani go in the offseason because we don't want to give him a blank check. Guess what? If you don't want to give him a blank check, the Dodgers are going to give him a blank check. And of if the course. Dodgers don't want to give him a blank check, the Mets will give him a blank check. Of and if course. the Mets don't want to give him a blank check, the Padres or the Yankees will. So if the plan is to let Shohei Otani walk in, I, and I don't, I'm not totally up to date on the compensation rules or whatever. Maybe there's something they get back in terms of a draft. First round losing pick. a player. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Guess what? Whatever first round compensation pick you get back, that dude is not – Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. It's not it's not the fifth best pitcher and the second best hitter in the entire freaking world. Agreed. So if they're not gonna trade him, why does why if they're not gonna trade him, why are they not doing the contract renegotiation and extension now? It does it doesn't make any sense to me. No, no, it does it does make sense to Otani because sure. Davis, it's an unknown commodity right now. Uh, there's no. By the way, on top of Otani being the top free agent in the off season, because we all know that there's no one coming close. Like this is not an off season, Davis, where I'm going to be going to the winter meetings and Bogarts is getting 300 million and Trey Turner's getting 300 million and this guy's getting 300 million. Like this is and Dansby Swanson's getting 200 million. Like this is not happening this year. Like there, this does not exist. So everyone and Korea. So everyone is going for the same player here. And then there's like uh, the Otani tier. And then there's like, you know, five tier. This is like the first round in fantasy football one, one. And then you're going already in the third round. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. So the one thing I would say is the angels will make a very competitive offer. I think they're absolutely going to go all in on him. 
but the winning is the key. It's obvious. Look, Davis, look what they did last night. Didn't that tell you the story? The winning is obviously the key. They had to go all in to try to retain him in the offseason. That's why they kept him, and that's why they got Lucas Giolito. And my guess is they may not be done. We'll see. I mean, I hope they're not. I hope they're not. I mean, you, Craig, I, I've been Lucy in the freaking football with the Los Angeles Angels as long as we've I been know, doing really. our shows together. And this was the, finally the year I said, you know what? I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. They don't care enough. The, the Angels don't care enough to win. Then I don't care about them. I don't care if they're going to win. All right, let's, let's move on. We could talk about the Cincinnati Reds and the Milwaukee okay. Brewers, the Brewers, beat up on them again the problem yep. remains the same uh you know the the reds they make a run they make a run they make a run and then they fall back a little bit and they have played nine games they went two and seven against the brewers over the last month of the season uh i mean I, i've said this on Pharrell coast to coast i'll say it again here if the reds don't add two pitchers to their rotation they don't care they don't care about their fans. I mean, they are, Craig, they are throwing out three guys with ERAs north of five and a half right now. I mean, and maybe maybe the ownership group says, you know what? We got these young cost-controlled guys. We'll really go for it next year, right? But it just, it just, it's so antithetical to the spirit of baseball to have this young, exciting group and say, it's not our year. We'll do it. We'll do it next year. I, I really would hate that. Well, I mean, the Orioles did kind of do that last year. I don't know that they were in the exact position that the Reds were, but they're counting on Hunter Green coming back. They're counting on Nick Lodolo coming back. Uh, look, I, I understand the sentiment, and they are sort of on the doorstep, but I got to say, Davis, at the end, you're not going to like to hear this, but I think they kind of got a wake-up call here playing against the Brewers. I just don't think they're going to catch them. They cannot beat them. I think they'll probably do something but I don't think it's going to be to the degree of like an all-in scenario. And, and by the way, just sort of knowing this market as to what's going on as far as what you're talking about, like starting pitching, I, I won't put you, uh, throw you under the bus here on the show, Davis, but when you're done with the show, go take a look at what's available in terms of starting pitching right now. It, it's, it's, it's bad. Great. It's bad. Jordan Montgomery is like the best guy available. It's not great. So it's like, let, let's give them Jordan Montgomery, and they're not going to get Lance Lynn, but let's give Lance Lynn and his 6 ERA to Cincinnati. You know, what are, what are they doing here? Like, is that really going to do anything? So I, I expect the Reds to add a small piece. I don't expect them to uh, go all in this year. I mean, Lance Lynn and his 6.5 ERA, that would be lower than uh, than Ashcraft's ERA. So they, it would be it would be uh, per, perhaps uh, addition by subtraction. No, I mean, I just, my thing is, and Craig, you know this, I just, I hate when these teams have something good, young, and exciting going for them, and then they don't spend the money required to to boost it up. You know, it's like, it's like, I, and with the, in this very specific circumstance, I guess it would probably be okay because they have all these guys who are cost-controlled. They just called up De La Cruz. They just called up Encarnacion Strand. And some of right. these outfield, uh, you know, like Jake Fraley and Ty Friedel, they just went through, like, the hottest two months of their life, and that's not representative of, like, what they what they actually are. Uh, okay, let's, let's end it here real quick. What do your Miami Marlins do at the trade deadline? Are they doing anything? I think so. I think so. They're they're trying. <laughs> it's definitely the case. They made a small trade yesterday. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's that significant. But you know, a little bit of an upgrade for them, I guess, in in the bullpen. 
But yeah, I think that at some point they're going to try and add a starting pitcher among the names that, you know, we just kind of talked about, uh, you know, I think they're going to try and add a bat as well, but I, I think the Marlins and by the way, the Diamondbacks and the Giants and some of these other teams that are fighting against each other, I think they're going to have to get creative. I think this is going to have to go beyond the rental market, Davis, to get it done, and we'll see who does. Yep, I'm uh, very interested. I think we're actually going to have an interesting Major League Baseball trade down the line. I think uh, it's going to be pretty great. Thanks to Craig for joining us. Make sure to catch us on Saturday morning's Fantasy Sports Today. Craig, have a good day. I will be back here in just a moment for some more NFL data. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the morning after here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock. I am joined by Mark Zeno. We are going to talk about some NFL music to my ears. We've been talking a lot about baseball when I filled in for Ben Stevens here on the program. I'm very excited to win with Zinn and look forward to some of the week one lines. And uh, we can go ahead and begin with the AFC North. We have uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland in week one. I got to say, this is probably one of only like two divisions. I could actually see any of the four teams winning. Now the Steelers are, are pretty deep down in there, but all the teams I think have arguments and paths to being quite good. Uh, so this opening week spread Honestly, kind of surprised to see the Bengals. I, I would figure even on the road, they would get uh, on the other side of the field. Well, I would have guessed minus three and a half. How are you seeing this one? Well, it's a game that I'll eye up just from the standpoint that home dogs in week one within the division are covering at better than a 65% rate. So this always sets up well. Now, if this does get to three or definitively three and a half, it'll be an automatic buy for me on the Cleveland Browns. And it tells you what odds makers think that maybe the Browns are better than what a lot of people think they are with Deshaun Watson coming back, or at least giving them a little bit of a nod that he may return to form that he had before everything that happened off the field with Deshaun Watson here. But every divisional home dog should get looked at in week one with serious consideration. Now, some of them I have a lot more favorable than others, but this is still a question mark with Cleveland because I'm not sure what Deshaun Watson I'm going to get here, but it does feel like if this thing gets to a field goal or to three and a half, it's a, it's a buy spot on Cleveland. Yeah. All right. And uh, I mean, for AFC North odds, uh, I definitely like the Ravens here at, at plus 250. I mean, no disrespect intended to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. They're they're awesome. Uh, you know, they've, they've had some great battles against my Kansas City Chiefs throughout the years. But the prospect of Lamar Jackson playing with three, maybe even four, if you count Nelson Aguilar, like actual NFL quality wide receivers, staying healthy for an entire year. And the biggest change has got to be Todd Munkin. I mean, you know, Greg Roman is a really good offensive coordinator. The first year he gets into a town and then he doesn't change anything. The route concepts stay the same. It's just, it's all the same thing. And other teams catch up very quickly. I am so excited to watch Todd Munkin calling plays with Lamar Jackson. I, I, the Ravens are really one of my biggest positions heading into the season. I mean, the one thing you mentioned, which would scare me off them I and does, is Lamar Jackson's health. Remember, this guy missed six games last year. It didn't matter who he was throwing to. Uh, and he missed six games because he's got a lower leg injury slash knee injury slash whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he wasn't on the field. 
So they won't win the division without him on the field, regardless of who is that wide receiver. I mean, the aforementioned Cleveland Browns, just from a price standpoint, would get my attention and a roll the dice to say, if Deshaun Watson is 2020 Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans, a team that was terrible, but yet he still put up MVP numbers, that's probably the best play as far as winning the division is concerned. I don't hate the Ravens uh, as far as, you know, at, at plus 250. I think it's really smart. I mean, I'm, I, I like the Vikings at plus 275 in the, uh, in the NFC North to win that division. So I think the price is good. It's just a question of Lamar Jackson's health. Yeah, I, I think I think you, you make a great point. And, I mean, look, if Deshaun Watson is Deshaun Watson, capital D, capital W, then this whole division takes on a different tenor. All right, moving to Jacksonville and Indianapolis in week one. Sort of an interesting spot here because we don't know who's going to be starting at quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, they are three-and-a-half-point home dogs. Uh, I would guess this line is being made with the presumption that Gardner Minshew is going to be starting. Uh, I actually think it would probably be deeper if it was Anthony Richardson. But if this does get deeper, Mark, if this gets to four, four and a half, and I actually like Anthony Richardson. I, I think I maybe uh, for fantasy guys like Anthony Richardson, but sports betters a little bit more against him because they're familiar with his work at Florida, where he was one of the highest variance players like in college football history. Uh, how are you breaking this game now between the Jaguars and the Colts? I, I'll play the Colts all day, every day. Um, you know, and so, certain shops opened this game at four, and it was bought down to three and a half. I would anticipate as we get close to the season, this thing gets back to four, possibly four and a half by the time we get to kickoff. Um, a, a complete buy spot for me on the Colts. I, I am not all in on Trevor Lawrence like everybody else is. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. I'm not saying that he didn't deserve all the praise that he got last year. I'm not saying he's not much better with Doug Peterson than he was with Urban Meyer, as we all know not saying any of those things situationally this is a spot here for the Jaguars to be let down now if the Jaguars show up and their defense plays really well forget Trevor Lawrence for a minute and shuts the Colts down from that standpoint only gives up 10 points in the game we'll have no shot with the jet with the Colts regardless like that's really what it boils down to but if the Jaguars defense is anything mediocre guess what the Colts are going to figure out a way to score here so um I, I am very confident uh, in this spot here for Indianapolis is everyone's going to look past them and jump on the Jaguars, but I'll wait very close to kickoff here because I think the public is going to jump all over Jacksonville. I think you're probably right. I will for sure be on the Colts. I, I am going to be my, – my goal is to try and make my money on Anthony Richardson early when people still think he's bad, when, when the perception is that he isn't very good. And uh, the AFC South odds, I mean – in this position, if we think that the Jaguars might be a little bit overrated by the market, uh, I mean, for the Titans, I think last week just broadcast a very large signal that they're still trying, right? I think the idea coming into the season was, oh, the Titans, they're getting to the end of Henry's contract, getting to the end of Tannehill's contract. They're going to trade him. They're not going to be as good. No, none of that. First off, Mike Vrabel doesn't believe in any of that. Mike Vrabel's wet dream in life is to have a five-win team and coach them up and make them a 10-win team. That is literally what he lives for. And then they signed DeAndre Hopkins, so now they're just a more talented roster. They're not going to have to play, you know, Nick Westbrook, Akeen, and, all, you know, all these random wide receivers they have. Like, the Titans are going to be the exact same team they have been the entire time that Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill have been there. No, I, I agree. Listen, I think there's a lot of buy low here on the Titans and a lot of value on them to win this division. You know, uh, their, their schedule is, is 
isn't greatly favorable, but still, you know, if they take care of business within the division, and that simply is them being able to beat the Jaguars uh, and, and, and make sure they take care of the Texans and the Colts, then they're going to have a great shot at this thing. But I, I think it's an excellent spot to back the Jaguars to win the division here. The Jackson, I'm sorry, the Titans, rather. The Jaguars should not be that heavy of a favorite in this division, given where things were last year. That is a misprice based off of public perception uh, and what Trevor Lawrence did over the last eight games. Remember, if Justin Herbert completes one more pass or an idiot kicker actually makes a field goal, the, the Jaguars don't win that playoff game, and we're viewing this totally differently. But because the Jaguars went into Kansas City and Kansas City does what Kansas City does, they give you a heart attack for, for 40, 45 minutes and then decide, okay, we got 15 minutes to go win a football game, let's do it. Because uh, they don't care about anything else other than winning the game. They don't care about covering numbers. So Jacksonville in that divisional playoff game um, to everybody looked like a team that was ready to take the next step. Well, I'm not ready to buy into Jacksonville yet. They shouldn't be this heavy of a favorite. I like the Titans on that number. Yeah, I I like the I like the Jaguars a lot in fantasy football. I think they're going to score a lot of points, but it's the Jaguars. What have the Jag What have the Jaguars ever done to deserve this level of respect? They remain the Jaguars. All right, this is uh, the first line that I've got a very strong opinion on. We're heading to the NFC North. The Green Bay Packers traveling to play against the Bears. Uh, I would have to be restrained, I think, to not bet the Packers as uh, as a road dog here. Uh, I just I'm not a I I like I like Justin Fields I like I sort I like the idea of what they're building I like the idea of getting DJ Moore I I didn't hate the Chase Claypool trade as much as everyone else did I I saw totally saw what they were going for very similar to what the Ravens did with Lamar they're trying to give him competent guys to throw to but the Bears were just coming off being the literal worst team in the NFL Justin Fields got sacked on 14% of his dropbacks last year. 28% of his dropbacks turned into a sack, a scramble, or an interception. I just, I just don't, I think two and a half, like, I think this is a pick em. The, To me, if I'm setting this line, like, the Packers are a more talented roster, one through 53. How do you see this? It would probably be Packers or pass for me. I have a hard time looking at a spot where the Bears would be favored. But if, if you put that graphic back up there, Davis is one of the number that no one's focusing at, which I love for this spot. You see that number at the bottom right there where it says total? Uh, yeah. Uh, you're not going to find many spots this year where the Bears are in games with a total of 44. You want to know why? Because with Justin Fields healthy last year, they were scoring 30 points a game. And their defense hasn't exactly gotten better. I am slamming the over in this game for two reasons. One, the Bears are going to put up close to 30 because that's what their offense is capable of with Justin Fields. And he'll run all over the place, and you won't be able to tackle him, and he's going to go absolutely bonkers from an offensive standpoint. The Bears' defense is still bad. And if Jordan Love ever wanted an easy christening into the NFL, this is the defense to do it against. I think the Packers can score on this Bears' defense, both through the air and on the ground. I think this thing clears way over this 44 total as long as you stay at that key number of 44 you get the 44 and a half just from a numbers standpoint i'm going to be a little bit you know uh contentious with it but still uh, at 44 i can absolutely jump on the over in that game all right there and uh real quick before we get out of here do you i i i think packers to win the division is is the smartest bet at plus 340 i think the vikings are fine the lions do not deserve to be – I mean, what are we doing here? Plus 155 right. for Jared Goff. No, it's thank very you. very similar to what we saw with the AFC South, right? Like the Lions don't deserve to be this heavy of a favorite. But I'm back in the Vikings again. 
They still have the best quarterback in this division. They still have the best offense in this division. And the fact that they are priced exactly the same right now this year as they were last year when the Packers were the team to beat means that they have a much path to get to the top of this division. Take the Vikings. There we go. Take the Vikings. That's been my advice as well. I've got that ticket sitting there. I just, it just, the Vikings should be favored. Uh, it's, it's insane. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and run to break. Thank you, Mark Zeno, for joining us here on the program. I'll be back with you guys in a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into the morning after here on SportsGrid. I'm joined by my good buddy, Jim Sanis from number fire and uh look of course we've got to hit the topic du jour the angels declared their intentions by trading for relief pitcher reynaldo lopez starting pitcher lucas giolito um you know i guess it really depends jim is this misguided is it not based on what they know about how willing otani might be to sign a contract with them this offseason yeah, I think that honestly, it's worth a shot because if you trade him, like the odds he comes back are probably non-existent. And you think about this too, where if you're looking at their playoff odds right now, they're pretty low, 16.7% according to Dan Zaborski's zips over at Fangraphs. So that's not high. However, I feel like you kind of owe it to your fans at some point to try to push when you have your potential last year of Shohei Otani being in town. The other side of this coin is that this offense has been cooking ever since Mike Trout got hurt. So if you look at this offense, once Mike Trout is reinstated into this lineup, they could be pretty good. Now, part of that is not going to fully translate because part of this Mickey Moniak playing really well and will Moniak play every day once Mike Trout is healthy? I'm not really sure, but... They need the relief help, so Lopez helps out there. They always need starting pitching. Uh, Giolito helps there. So I do feel like it makes them a better team. And when you add that to an offense that's not bad, you know, 16.7% is not a high number, but it's also not nothing. Like, if you're betting a 5-1 to one money line, I guess not a money line, but if you're, if you're betting a 5-1 to one driver in NASCAR, you think that you've got a shot to win that bet at least, even though it's only 16.7% implied. So to me, I feel like it's at least worth it. You know, you want to make one more run with the best player in baseball history. I kind of can't blame them that much. So honestly, maybe it's not wise to be buyers. Maybe it's better to trade Shohei Otani, bulk up on a lot of assets and build towards the future. But I can't fault them for doing it just because it's so hard to justify trading away, regardless of circumstances, again, the best player in baseball history. So I think that that's sort of their thought. And I think what they know is we've got no chance, 0.0% chance to re-sign this guy if we stink, if we lose, if we don't give this guy, like he's leaving. And maybe they've already made the calls. Maybe they've called the Orioles and said, all right, we'd like Colton Cowser and uh, Matt Holiday's kid, and Kyle Bradish, and the Orioles said, we're good, actually. No, thank you. <laughs> and they called the Yankees, and they said, all right, we want Jason Dominguez and as much cash as you're legally allowed to give us and, uh, you know, whoever, right? And they called the Dodgers, and they said, we want all your young arms and all the cash you can give us. And they said, 
no, thank you. We think he's going to leave in the offseason. So if that's if that's the the perspective that they're coming at it, where they've done their due diligence, they've made their calls, they've weighed their trade options. Like imagine if in the NBA, Damian Lillard, he, he's made this tra- you know, he's made this trade request, and he says, I only want to go to the Miami Heat. And so so basically, you look at this trade offer and you say this trade offer stinks. So let's just try and win games. You know, right. um, I I I would I guess if that's the intel they have. I like it. I, I I like it. If if they think they have no chance of re-signing him and the trade offers aren't that good, I think they should try and win. And maybe maybe Mike Trout is ahead of where he's supposed to be on his injury recovery. I mean, Trout. Uh, he this is so underreported. But Trout is literally he's on the commissioner's exemplist to be able to take steroids because he has some immunocompromised thing. So maybe he will come back from injury early. Like we don't know. <laughs> I love that angle. I think that's uh, that's really fun. But again, like I, I just think that the optics of trading away Shohei Otani when you still had at least a shot at the playoffs, that's really tough to swallow. And like if you're an Angels fan, like I'm trying to put myself in their shoes right now. Like let's say if I tell you 16.7% ch- chance at the playoffs, I want to take a shot at that, even though I know it's a low number and. 83% of the time it does not happen. I want to take a shot at that. I want to take a shot at this because let's say hypothetically, what if they do make the playoffs? They can make some damage with this roster being healthy because Shohei Otani is such a force, both offensively and as a pitcher. You put Lucas Giolito there. I know Giolito, Giolito is not what he has been previously, but still pretty solid pitcher overall. So I feel like they could make some noise if they were to make it. So to me, it all kind of adds up to bad objects trading, Shohei Otani, the potential to still make the playoffs, and the upside if they do make the playoffs. I think all those things combined lead me to say, I don't know this was the right decision, but I think it was, and I definitely do understand it regardless. So I think that all things considered, I can't hate on them for what they've done here. And and every starting pitcher they buy, every guy they buy, it's someone that the teams going against them for the American League wild card or for that division right. could be buying as well. Because there are so I've talked about this with Craig a bunch. There's so few teams who are even selling. Like we didn't even know if the White Sox would be sellers. We thought maybe the White Sox would talk themselves into winning that division. But like in terms of teams, you know, 100% are selling right now. The A's, if they have anything you want, you could probably have it. Nothing is tied down there. The Royals, I mean, maybe they'll trade Salvador Perez. Maybe they won't. The Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Pirates, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Rockies, the Nationals, and that's it. I mean, that in in terms of teams that we know are selling, that is it. I mean, that is that that makes the trade deadline like are teams going to be falling all over themselves to get Jack freaking Flaherty from the Cardinals because they're one of the few teams that happens to be selling? Like, you know who could have used Lucas Giolito? Uh, the Texas Rangers, right? So, so because Andrew Heaney seems like he's hurt. Martin Perez has given up three home runs a start every five days. Like, they could have used Lucas Giolito. So I, I, from that perspective, I think buying early, like teams that are buying early at this deadline are doing very smart business. Yeah, and again, they're attacking the right areas because this offense does not need to be addressed. That was the case previously where when you didn't have Otani and Trout, this offense was AAA level. That's no longer the case. They've got enough contributors there, in part because Otani just makes them so good, but like they've got enough guys there who are viable where I think you focused on that bullpen specifically. I think the Giolito makes that rotation good enough, but focus on that bullpen 
bolster that and then we're really in business because that is kind of the one part where they are lagging right now is in relief pitching so adding more guys like lopez i feel like of the the teams that are selling that's probably the one area you can get is relief pitching at a, a decent price so i think they're attacking it the right way i think they're attacking at the right time and they're going at the right pieces to make this off make this team one that can legitimately push and make those slim playoff odds a bit more realistic Yep, I think you're right. All right, let's take a look at uh, at today's slate. Uh, not a ton, not a ton going on here. We got three games tonight. We have Guardians, White Sox, the White Sox, uh, funnily enough, waving the white flag. Yes, instead of the White Sox trading away, Lucas Giolito, which is it's such a bummer because their offense is like theoretically young and fun. You know, Robert, Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, and... American League Central Baseball is, and I know you're a Twins fan, so I yeah. guess it's fine for you, but is there anything <laughs> more depressing than American League Central Baseball right now? Like, what a just a giant bummer of a division this is. Yeah, like you said, I actually find it as being very heartening uh, how bad the AL Central is. I think it's great, and I wish it would continue. Um, the one thing that, like, does kind of scare me as, like, a Twins fan is that the Guardians offense has finally started to be, like, competent and like i'm saying competent i'm not saying they're good because they're not but like the past month their wrc plus i believe is around like 107 or so and they were in like the 80s for a very very long time so they're starting to show a little bit of life uh plus 290 to win the vision right now over at FanDuel sportsbook so it's still kind of a long shot but perking back to life i think it might be tough for them to catch the twins because the starting pitching has been so good all year long the bullpen, I feel like they're going to make a move there to bolster that. It's been better than perception, I think, as well. And Jorge Polanco coming back should help the offense as well, which has started to be a lot better recently. So I don't know if the Guardians make a run towards that division, but I would not be shocked if they hold at the deadline, at least, as a result of the fact they played better baseball recently with the offense surging back up because it was so pathetic earlier on. They're not a powerful offense. They're honestly just like an annoying offense is the way I'd classify them. But annoying can be good if it were and it worked all last year and starting to work a lot better right now so at least the guardians offense slowly coming back to life makes the al central a bit less pathetic yeah i mean I, theoretically i guess uh the guardians are the guardians are actually very similar to the angels one of those frustrating teams where they have a couple you really like transcendent players you have jose ramirez signed to the long-term deal they have uh shane bieber who i guess i bieber to be fair is not uh, I, there was a, a stretch where we thought Shane Bieber was maybe the, the best pitcher in all of baseball and doesn't look like he's that guy now. But I And I talk about this with Craig all the time. One of the reasons I've fallen out of love, I used to I used to love baseball. I used to be a guy who would watch regular season baseball games like every day. And one of the things that really has bummed me out about baseball through the years is a lot of these teams who get – You've got four really good players, right? Uh, you sort of your your quote unquote golden generation, and then you don't do anything with it. And the Guardians have been one of those teams where it's like, sure, fine, yeah, we'll we'll play Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez. Like it just doesn't it just doesn't matter. And the White Sox, sort of the same deal. The White Sox are a very frustrating team. I guess your Twins have sort of done the opposite. I mean, they've been going for it. They signed free agents. They signed Carlos Correa. They signed Joey Gallo. Uh, why is Byron Buxton healthy but not the greatest player in baseball? I was I was led to believe that a healthy Byron Buxton would just be a lock for American League MVP. What's the deal? 
Yeah, I don't know if it's like psychological with him DHing every day, not getting to play the field, whatever it may be. But like, it's just been a weird year. He's had stretches where he's played really good baseball, started to run once again, which was encouraging. But I'm not sure if it's like that hip is still impacting him. There was a very odd press conference. This was back in like June or so, where they were talking to Derek Falvey, one of the head guys in, in the Twins organization, and asking him like, why is Bucks not playing the field? And he said like, He's not healthy enough to. So I feel like it's still that hip issue from last year is kind of lingering and they're DHing him in order to at least keep his bat in the lineup. I am curious if that resolves itself at any point this year, if he just keeps maintains being a DH the entire time. Cause like you look at the players that they've got, a lot of them could serve as they could serve to DH a bit. Like Edouard Julien, he's really good offensively, but like he's maybe better than perception second base, but he's still pretty bad. Jose Miranda is a guy who could hypothetically play DH. They've got like 16 left-handed corner outfielders who could DH. So it is kind of a log jam as a result of Bucks and DHing. So I think this team would be a lot better if they could use Bucks in the outfield, but like they just can't right now. And I feel like it's not like a, a stubbornness thing. I think it actually is health related with that hip where he can't get out there. You know, he's on paternity leave right now. Hopefully, maybe some rest would benefit him because he's in a super bad funk before that. I, I don't know, but I do feel like the inability to play Buxton in the center field is definitely have a negative impact on this team. And, you know, I want to see Buxton play center field. I want to be healthy as well. But like, I do think that like from an upside perspective, that's how you tap into that upside is getting him back in the field and freeing up that DH to get your best bats in the lineup. I mean, that's this is uh, this is a thing that a lot of teams struggle with, where they have a guy who is clearly a good defender, clearly a good hitter, and they DH them to protect them. I mean, like a bunch yeah. of teams have this situation going on, and it really does limit your efficacy. Like, Jim, I'm old enough. DHs should be 38 year old dudes with beer guts. All right, <laughs> that stairs, is literally right. what the, that is what that is what like David Ortiz. Uh, Prince Field or Prince Fielder Jr. Like that is who needs to be mm -hmm. DHs. We cannot have young, slender guys who can run four or five forties DHing. That goes. That is everything that is wrong with baseball. And absolutely one image. Uh, wishing Byron Buxton great health. Thanks to Jim for joining us. We're going to run under break here real quick on the program. See you guys back in a few minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our last segment here on The Morning After on Sports Grid. I'm Davis Maddock. Ben, joined with you guys for the last two hours. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you to everyone who joined the program. Need to remind all of you before I get out of here that uh, we've just launched our new Sports Grid app. You can catch up on anything that you have missed throughout the day. You can create personalized feeds for all of the leagues that you love. You can follow me. You can follow Craig. You can follow all the hosts and uh, co-hosts who appear on SportsGrid on the app so you can get our videos, our picks, our news updates, our injury uh, analysis, all that stuff in the app. You can dive into matchup previews for every game, search through SportsGrid's projections, line movements, injuries, everything else you need to make a wager. Then when the games go live, you'll be able to see the latest odds, scores, and stats. The perfect complement to all of the insights on SportsGrid is in 
the Sports Grid app, which is now available in the Apple App Store. There was a little QR code. You can scan that. Uh, before we get out of here, we didn't get to talk about any men's soccer, but I did just want to mention one storyline that uh, money can't buy you quite everything. Sure, it can buy you Jordan Henderson, Ruben Neves, Karim Benzema, but Kylian Mbappe is uh, reportedly reportedly turned down a deal that would have paid him $1 billion to play in the Saudi Arabian Professional Soccer League over the last year, which to me is pretty heartening. And we also had Lionel Messi turn down the Saudi Arabian money to come and play for Inter-Miami in the MLS. Obviously, we had the great story last week of uh, him scoring a game-winning goal, scoring two goals in 20 minutes in his first start in the MLS. And, uh, of course, we have the Women's World Cup going on. It's really a great moment for soccer right now. And uh, if any of you guys have not been tuned into that, I would encourage you guys to watch the Women's World Cup. The Argentina match tonight should be great. We've got Newswire Coming up next, make sure you check catch Fantasy Sports Today Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thanks for hanging out. It's smarter to be on Sports Grid. This is Ben Davis Maddock. I'll see you guys back tomorrow morning.